Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ubaldi Reports. Yesterday, Hillary Clinton gave a foreign policy address in San Diego, California. And this was in the backdrop of the huge military presence in, in Southern California because you have the naval bases in San Diego, the SEAL training base at Coronado and Camp Pendleton for the Marine base just up the street from San Diego. Now, her speech was more of a critique of Donald Trump and more of a political speech than laying out any of her vision of what she sees U.S. foreign policy if she becomes president. Now, her speech would have been better if it came from any other Democrat than her because she had a very um, tumultuous time as Secretary of State with all the problems around the world. You got Libya, Iraq, the Middle East, Afghanistan, China, Russia, with the Russian reset. So even though she criticized Donald Trump, and in the past I've done a podcast when Donald Trump laid out his foreign policy vision, and I was very critical because it was just all over the place on what he would do. And I wouldn't buy some of his statements he made during that speech and statements he made before uh, that and since on how he would run foreign policy. Well, today we're going to talk about Secretary Clinton. And again, she gave what was supposed to be a foreign policy address, but it was more of a political speech than any type of vision being laid out. And I think it was more tailored to an audience as Tuesday on June 7th is the California primary. And I think she was trying to reach a certain demographic more than just trying to reach a broad coalition of individuals leading up to the general election. But one of the statements, and we'll go through each of the things that she made and make some comments on that. She said, as Secretary of State, Senator and First Lady, I had the honor of representing America abroad and helping shape our foreign policy at home. As a candidate for president, there is nothing I take more seriously than our national security. I've offered clear strategies for how to defeat ISIS, strengthen our allies, and make sure Iran never gets a nuclear weapon. And I'm going to keep America's security at the heart of my campaign. Now, the first thing she said is, I have laid out clear strategies for how to defeat ISIS. The one thing, like I even said with the Republicans and Donald Trump, everybody talks about how they're going to destroy and defeat ISIS, but nobody's come up with a coherent plan. What replaces ISIS in that far eastern part of Syria? You can destroy and take out ISIS, but what takes its place? Are we going to allow the El Nusra Front, which is a Al-Qaeda-based group? Now, they've been battling against Al-Qaeda, but, I mean, excuse me, against ISIS. Are we going to allow the El Nusra Front? What about the, uh, the regime of Bashar Assad that really precipitated this crisis in Syria? So what are we going to do about that? Then you've got the situation in Iraq. Now, Secretary Clinton was part of the Obama administration's first term as Secretary of State, and she was there and supported the precipitous withdrawal of American forces that went against the wishes of the military commanders on the ground. So those are some of the things that I would have questioned on her foreign policy. And she never really, she said she leads up clear strategies for defeating ISIS. But what about all these other issues? Now, strengthening our alliances. She, um, being as Secretary of State, she does know these individuals. And when she was First Lady um, during the, the presidency of uh, Bill Clinton, that she knows some of the, the the players and the thing. But she hasn't really said how she would strengthen our alliances, especially in relationship to the eight years after he finished his presidency of Barack Obama. Now, 
Secretary Clinton has really embraced the foreign policy of Barack Obama, but he's been very critical of our are our allies that she champions, like especially are the closest ally we ever have in the world, and that is England. And President Obama has been very dismissive of David Cameron, almost blaming him for the debacle of what's happening in, um, in Libya. So some of these things I would have questions with, okay? And then she, like, again, she said, I want to do a continuation of Obama's foreign policy. What would she continue, and what would she do differently from him? From him now, this hasn't been stated by the the um, uh, by Secretary Clinton, so we don't know what she would do different and what she we know what she would continue, but we don't know how she would differentiate herself from Obama's foreign policy because President Obama is more in line with Bernie Sanders than Hillary Clinton, so we just don't know. She mentions Iran. I make sure Iran never gets a nuclear weapon. She supported the Iran nuclear de- uh, negotiation, which almost all experts have said it is a very flawed document even though we prevented Iraq I mean excuse me Iran from getting a nuclear device now in eight years once the um, or eight to ten years when the, the agreement is done Iran is fully licensed to carry out anything they want because that agreements only go for 10 years and we just gave them 150 billion dollars of sanctions relief that's going to go right back into fueling some of the terror groups that they support, especially everybody says it's going to help their economy. Well, the the Revolutionary Guard Corps is heavily involved in all phases of the Iranian economy. So this really strengthens the hardliners and the radicals in the Iranian regime. So I'm not sure if that's a, um, a great thing to be championed. Now, she also said this is not someone who should ever have the nuclear codes because she feels Donald Trump is unstable, and it's it's just he's all over the map, which is true. But when she makes this statement, and Donald Trump countered effectively that, what about her email scandal where she allowed U.S. secrets to go to an unsecure server and an unsecure email and the potential that they were hacked by foreign intelligence services? Now, this is what the FBI has got to look at, but we just don't know what has happened. So when she makes that comment here, she has to look at herself. Now, this isn't just critical of Hillary Clinton, but I was very critical of Donald Trump. So I want to be fair. You have to look at Hillary Clinton and what she would do or what she had done when she was secretary of state. Now, the point she, she makes a lot of points about what Donald Trump has said about our alliances, our allies, especially with Korea and um, Japan allowing them to get nuclear weapons to support, take care of themselves. Now, I I have some problems with some of the statements Donald Trump has made on foreign policy. But Hillary Clinton doesn't offer anything new. It's mainly she just takes the opposition talking points or opposition research that she has on Donald Trump on his past statements and just really critical of him, but offers nothing new what she would do different? How would she be run U.S. foreign policy? What would be a, for, um, a vision for foreign policy in a Clinton administration? You can't just say, I'm not going to do what he did. What's your vision? How do you see the United States in the world? So these are some things she doesn't really offer. She also mentions, I have some experience with tough calls and the hard work of statecraft. I wrestled with the Chinese over climate deal in Copenhagen brokered a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, 
negotiated the reduction of nuclear weapons with Russia, twisted arms to bring the world together in global sanctions against Iran, and stood up for the rights of women, religious minorities, and LGBT people around the world. And she further states, I'm in, I am, and I am proud to run on my record because I think the choice before the American people in this election is clear. Now, if we look at the statements that she made, the Russian reset is worse off now than before 2009. Our relationship with China is at a, it's in a very dangerous spot. The, we're seeing the situation in the Middle East with the Arabic Spring, the precipitous withdrawal of U.S. forces from Iraq before stability was able to take hold there. The issues with Libya, she's the one that pushed, pressured the, the Obama, President Obama to take out Muammar Gaddafi. The situation in Egypt, what's going on in China, North Korea. Um, there really isn't a success that she's had. She does mention she was there in the situation room with with the president as they went out and took out Osama bin Laden, the, the, um, the architect of, the, of September 11th. But this isn't something that she did. This is something the military did, and the president made that decision. So my question is, what is her, what is her record? What is she running on? Because the world's worse off now than 2009 when they came in. So I'm, I'm not sure what's her record and what she's trying to, to run on. She does mention the economy, and that's, that's the biggest issue that most Americans favor. Any poll you will say, it's, huge numbers want, how are we going to fix the U.S. economy? And first she says, we need to be strong at home. That means investing in our infrastructure, education, and innovation, the fundamentals of a strong economy. We need to reduce income inequality because our country can't lead effectively when so many are struggling to provide the basics for their families. And we need to break down the barriers that hold Americans back, including barriers of bigotry and discrimination. This last part, the barriers of bigotry and discrimination. These are some of the things I have a problem with Donald Trump. He just needs to stop attacking everybody and give a vision of where you want to go with the country. But the question she says, and I agree with her, we need to be strong at home. We do need to be strong at home. But how is this in relationship that what came out today? The, un- the unemployment report dropped to 4.7% from 5.0. But also only 38,000 jobs were created. And the reason why the unemployment rate dropped is because less people are in the workforce. The labor participation rate, if it was the same as 2009, it would be as the labor um, department or the Bureau of Labor Statistics has said, if it was the same in 2009, the um, unemployment rate would be 9.7. This is why most Americans think the country's on the wrong track. This is what fuels the anger on the right that support Donald Trump and the anger on the left where people are supporting Bernie Sanders. They're not seeing the economy improve. Now, 38,000 jobs is the lowest job creation in five years since 2010. So we really got to start to think about what would she do differently? Now, she really is running in lockstep with President Obama, and his, obviously she's trying to get his supporters, but how would you, what would you do differently with the, um, the economy? She said she wants to put her husband in charge of the economy because look what he did in the 90s. Okay, I got it, but you're the one that's making decisions. You can't outsource that over. Now, 
She says investing in our infrastructure. Everybody, both sides agree, we need to invest in our infrastructure throughout the country. But where was the money that was the stimulus? Wasn't that supposed to be going into the infrastructure? Even the president had said and had to re- and re- walk that back in 2012 that we have shovel shovel ready projects. Well, that didn't become the case. So what would she do differently and how can she jumpstart the U.S. economy? Because we're seeing economic growth for the first quarter was revised up to only 0.8. So we're really only going to be above 2%. This is the first time a president has never been above 3% growth for an entire year. So it's always been just above 2%. And that's it. That's a minuscule growth. And all economists will agree when you have a sharp drop in the economy like we had in 2008 and 2009, the Coming out of it should be a robust economy, much like what happened in the early 80s under President Reagan when there was a sharp sharp drop in the economy and then the economy came roaring back. So these are some of the things we need to know. How would our economic policy differ from the president? Now, she's been pushed back very left, very to more liberal views of Bernie Sanders. So how would her policies and she's raised a, she said she's going to raise a lot of taxes spend a lot of money how would that be different than what we're doing now so these are some of the things that people need to ask i'm doing the same thing with donald trump how would you jump start the us economy and that's the number one issue most americans are 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 wanting now she does talk about going back to the foreign policy side and this is the whole crux of this um, her speech is alliances Trump has been very critical and made rash statements about our alliances around the world, especially with Europe. Um, I mentioned South Korea and Japan. I'm very critical of his statements there. What is his vision for foreign policy? I did a podcast on that, so you can go back and see what my um, comments were about his statements when he gave his foreign policy address. But also, President Obama hasn't been that kind to our allies uh, either. He made statements um, in the the Atlantic with Jeffrey Goldberg calling a lot of our allies free riders. So he made some rash statements about our allies. And I don't know anybody that he's close to in foreign policy that's like previous presidents have had. So what what would Hillary Clinton do differently with our alliances in Asia, the Middle East, um, Europe, especially after she said she wants to follow the um, the foreign policy of President Obama, and she made some comments that, look what I did in the Middle East to strengthen these alliances. What would you do? Because our alliances are so frayed in the Middle East, and this is what we're going to need to defeat ISIS. So these are some of the issues that we need to know. Also, the Iran nuclear deal is extremely unpopular among our allies. They see a resurgent um, Iran all over the Middle East, and they see a weakened by United States that's retrenching from um the Middle East region, and this just emboldens um, Iran. And now we're seeing in a Reuters news article that came out a couple days ago, we're seeing Iran heavily involved in the um, Iraq with the United States virtually absent from this region. So beyond the troops, but what are we doing to strengthen the Iraqi government that makes it inclusive? So that makes the Shiites and the Sunnis have a direct impact on their, um, their government or at least take part in the government, including the Kurds. 
How is that being done? Nobody's articulated that, including the president, including Hillary Clinton. Now, she also says, as part of the Iran nuclear deal, take the nuclear agreement with Iran. When President Obama took office, Iran was racing toward a nuclear bomb. Some called for military action, but that could have ignited a broader war that could have mired our troops in another Middle Eastern conflict. President Obama chose a different path, and I got to work leading that effort to impose crippling sanctions, global sanctions. We brought Iran to the table. We began talks, and eventually we reached an agreement that should block every path for Iran to get a nuclear weapon. Now we must enforce that deal vigorously. And I've said many times before, our approach must be distrust and verify. The world must understand that the United States will act decisively if necessary, including with military action, to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. In particular, Israel's security is non-negotiable. They are our closest ally in the region, and we have a moral obligation to defend them. But there is no question that the world and the United States, we are safer now than we were before this agreement. And we accomplished it without firing a single shot, dropping a single bomb, or putting a single American soldier in harm's way. Now, I don't know who she's, there's only a few who've been calling for military action, but there's very, very few. So I'm not sure who she's saying is calling for military action because the Republicans are not calling, no sane person in the Republican Party is calling for military action. So I'm not sure who she's talking about. But she did say the president chose a different path. We got to work leading the, the effort to impose a crippling global sanction. That's accurate. They did expand on the Bush administration's aspect to get crippling sanctions on Iran. Now, what had happened is the sanctions were hurting the Iranian economy, but really intensified once the precipitous withdrawal of oil prices. That really hurt the Iranian um, regime, especially at home. Now, Iran came that the reason Iran came to the table was because of those crippling sanctions. And they reached um, an agreement that should have blocked Iran's path to get to the nuclear weapons, but that was duplicitous under the Obama administration. Even his na Deputy National Security Advisor, Ben Rhodes, said they manipulated the media to get this, this agenda passed. Now, when they said we blocked every path for Iran to get a nuclear weapon is not accurate. The infrastructure is in place. That hasn't been eliminated. That was one of the core requirements that the president said he was going to do, and he, he failed to deliver on that. Now, they've also said many times it's, it's when it comes to the um, verifications, and she said many times before, our approach must be distrust and verify. How are verifications going to be done? In um, last year, Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes said in an interview that there's going to be anytime, anywhere inspections. Well, that was taken out of the nuclear agreements. And now there's only certain areas we can go. The military sites, the most controversials that we know of, where the inspectors are not allowed to go there. And you must give Iran 21 days if you decide to go to inspect. So they can do some things. So this anytime, anywhere is not going to happen. This vigorous inspection is not um, going to be there. Now, the world must understand, as she says, the United States will act decisively if necessary, include 
including military action to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. No one believes the United States would do this, especially after the president issued his red line in Syria for their use of chemical weapons. You can threaten all you want, but at some time, some point, you have to you have to have your bluff called, and people are going to call our bluff. Now, she also says, in particular, Israel's security is non-negotiable. Well, the President Obama and have, has a very problematic relationship with Israel right now, especially Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, she said she wants to strengthen our alliances. Well, this is our closest alliance, and we have the worst relationship with Israel than any time in recent memory. So I'm not sure how that's going to be done. And when she says the world and the United States are safer now than we were before this agreement, that comes to be seen when Iran's involved in Iraq, Syria, they're propping up Syria, the Syrian regime, they're in Lebanon, they're in Yemen, they're causing havoc throughout the Middle East region. So I'm not sure how we're safer safer before this agreement or not. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have negotiated with Iran, but we should have got better concessions and made a much better deal. Now, when she pivots over to Russia and China, the last couple countries we need to talk about, and she says, countries like Russia and China often work against us. Beijing dumps cheap steel in our markets. That hurts American workers. Moscow has taken aggressive military action in Ukraine, right on NATO's doorstep. Now I've gone toe-to-toe with Russia and China and many other different leaders around the world. So I know we have to be able to both stand our ground when we must and find common ground when we can. So how would she deal differently when the Russian reset was part of her first term? What would she do differently to get um, Russia out of Ukraine? What would she do differently to prevent or to get Russia out of the Crimea, which they annexed? Now, we've, the President Obama's talked about this isn't going to stand, but all these things have stand, and it showed weakness of the United States to our adversaries, and our allies are worried that the United States is retrenching from the world. So what would she do differently? How would she work with Russia when the first time she did, we're looking at the disaster results today. What would she do differently with China? How would she, every president said, we're going to exert pressure on China to do something with North Korea? Well, what are you going to do? Every president has said that. What would you do differently? Then when she also talks about, we go into the last, the last two things, is defeating ISIS. We need to take out, this is regarding ISIS, we need to take out their strongholds in Iraq and Syria by intensifying the air campaign and keeping up our support for Arab and Kurdish forces on the ground. We need to keep pursuing diplomacy to end Syria's civil war and close Iraq's sectarian divide because those conflicts are keeping ISIS alive. We need to lavish, lash up with our allies and ensure our intelligence services are working hand-in-hand to dismantle the global network that supplies money, arms, propaganda, and fighters to the terrorists. We need to win the battle in cyberspace. How is she going to do all this? What is her policy for Syria? Remember, she was there during the Arabic Spring when it broke open, so she was part of that strategy in the first term. What would she do differently to end Iraq's sectarian divide when we don't have much of a say right now? So how would she do things differently? What would she do with our allies? Or what would she do with our Sunni allies, Saudi, the Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, who are very dismissive of the president because of this nuclear deal? She supports. How would she deal with them to defeat ISIS, who they see the greater threat is 
Iran, not ISIS. So what would she do differently? These are some of the things that was not brought up in the speech. It was more of a political speech than a foreign policy speech. And finally, she says, a president has a sacred responsibility to send our troops into battle only if we absolutely must and with and only with a clear, well-thought-out strategy. Well, wasn't Libya a not-so-thought-out uh, strategy? And then she says, our troops give, gave, give their all. They deserve a commander-in-chief who knows that. I've worked side-by-side side with admirals and generals and visited our troops in theaters of war. I fought for better health care for our National Guard, better services for our veterans, and more support for our Gold Star families. We can't put the lives of young men and women in uniform in Donald Trump's hands. But isn't she the one that voted for the war in Iraq in 2002? Then in 2007, when they were doing the surge, she voted against it when she was a senator. Even Robert Gates, the former Secretary of Defense under the Bush and Obama administration, said in his book, that she said to him when he was standing right there that I voted against the surge because it would have hurt, hurt me politically. And he was aghast by that statement. So when he says that about Donald Trump, I have, a, you know, I have some issues with that too, but her, her policies before don't lead me to believe that we should put our young men and women in her hands either. And as she talks with veterans, she mentioned in an interview with Rachel Maddows in the end of 2015 that the VA is not as widespread as a problem as Republicans are making it out to be. I would just like, as a veteran who spent 30 years in the Marine Corps, who's seen veterans having problems and issues with the VA, I would have a huge problem with the VA is not as widespread problem. If she would have her daughter or grandchild have to go to get health care from the VA, she would be saying a different tune. So, Again, this has been very critical of the Clinton, um, Hillary Clinton, just like I was with Donald Trump. I want my listeners to be to know that I'm trying to hold everybody accountable. These are the last two candidates who are running for uh, for president. They're going to be running U.S. foreign policy, so I want them to be held to an account for their past statements and their past policies, because we can't afford to have a president that we're not going to know, and then we're stuck with that person for another four years. So. Again, I'm going to always challenge these leaders. I'm not going to endorse a candidate because that takes the objectivity out of there. So keep continuing to listen to this. I would like to know what you think. What do you want to hear or what do you want me to talk about as we gear up for who the next president of the United States is? Keep continuing to listen to Stitcher and iTunes. Let me know what you think. Go to my website, Ubaldi Reports. You can see some of the articles that have been posted about what's going on around the world and here in the United States. But again, let me know what you think because I want to answer those questions for you or at least find out and we can have a discussion on this. Again, you can sign up for Stitcher on iTunes. It's free. Also, get a chance. Go to Amazon or any of the major book manufacturers. I have a book out called The New Business Brigade, Why Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. It's a bestseller. Let's try to get it as a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list. Thank you for listening to Ubaldi Reports. And keep listening. And take it easy. And let's hold these candidates accountable. Again, thanks for listening to Ubaldi Reports. Until next time, we'll talk to you then.